0: We are SC Podcast. Gary Pasquitz, Daryl Rideau, and Greg Katz. Uh, The uh, post-final practice of spring edition, do not call it a spring game edition, because it was not. And we were told it was not going to be. And uh, instead, what you saw here on Saturday, whether you were at Cromwell Field or whether you watched the Pac-12 Network broadcast, is is you saw a, a practice. A USC practice that had some scrimmage situations, and and there was some good stuff in those scrimmage situations. I I, I did think if you watched it, and that was your first look at the quarterbacks this spring, you went, well, that's not that bad. You know, they, they, they got the ball to the running backs, they got the ball to the tight ends, which was the obvious emphasis of the day. And, and then the running backs, the two guys, uh, Edric, Ware, and Vavai Malapia had some good runs. Um, the defense was shorthanded. There weren't a lot of starters out there with the ones today, but, but there was some hitting there. There was a couple forced fumbles out there. Um, and, and so it was, it was a microcosm of what you saw, but, but really I think the quarterbacks, uh, that's the thing people are gonna be paying attention to. So what we're really gonna do today is kind of give a big picture look at what we saw on offense, what we saw on defense how we see things progressing and and who really impressed out there with what we're doing. But Darrell, let's start the conversation on defense. Usually we start on offense, but Mm -hmm. we're going to start on defense today because that is the position side of the ball that was more advanced this spring. But you're bringing up some interesting points. So, and I want to lead you into this by talking about the number of seniors that are on this defense, the number of guys they came back and played well. Yeah. Uh, when you're talking every level, a Porter Gustin, a Cameron Smith, and Iman Marshall, a Marvell Tell. And, and, and so that side of the ball you would assume to be more comfortable in Clancy's system, all the communication. But you brought up an interesting point in terms of how that impacted the offense and what the offense, a young offense battling a lot of injuries and breaking in new quarterbacks, the perception of what they were able to do this spring.
1: You, you know, Gary, it's funny and interesting when we're talking about a final spring scrimmage really being an extended practice. Well, for this group, the hay appears to be in the middle of the barn. All of the collective body of work that this coaching staff wanted to see, they probably got in spurts on film. And last week scrimmage appeared to be what they were looking for. But as you evaluate where this program is during its transition post-Darnold, Post Sam Darnold, who was entering into uh, the 2018 NFL Draft, and losing the likes of a Ronald Jones and an unhealthy running back being Stephen Carr recovering, the focus has to be on the defensive side of the ball. And if I'm looking at offense versus defense side, one program, I mean one side of the program, is 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 in graduate school pursuing, uh, graduating from a master's degree, pursuing a PhD, and the other one is entering into college, really just trying to figure out the syllabus. And is it fair when you're evaluating talent to see a, a, a team with so many seniors, so many guys that have been under the same defensive coordinator under Clancy Pendergast and have a great understanding about what is being expected of them? I close my eyes and I watch them and I listen for the communication, the buzzwords going between the players, the adjustments that are being made and the the nonverbal communications amongst the players when they're just simply looking at one another. You can't, you cannot emulate that or simulate that in practice. That comes from experience, guys playing with each other and understanding what the expectations are amongst each other. So the defense got off to a fast start all throughout spring, and at times they appear to dominate the narrative of how well this team is coming together. But make no mistake about it, it always takes an offense time to mature. But if if, if this is an ingredient for success, we can live with the defense leading by example and the offense uh, um, redefining its, I guess, its um, philosophy behind the strength of an offensive line in a running game.
2: Well, I think at the start of spring practice, uh, I think it's safe to say the defense was, was well ahead of the offense. You had veteran players coming back. You had veteran leadership, Cameron Smith. Uh, Porter Augustine, you know he, the secondary to me is going to be tremendous that that's the one thing I took away from spring practice overall big picture they are talented and they're playing as a unit and I, I would say on either side of the ball that's where I think the strength is at the moment now as we came near the last four or five practices I thought the offensive line started to assert itself which made you say to yourself is the defense that good and you know it's kind of a you know win-lose situation you really don't know because they're not playing somebody yet you can only say the offense did get better which is a good sign but for this team to win in the big picture they have to they have to control the offense of the other team that defense has to lead early on the first three or four games it's going to be difficult because stanford will have love texas we saw what texas did in under a first year program And then they're going to come home, I think it's against Washington State, and they'll be organized and they have a system. So I think there was a lot of good things, but I'm a little tempered about uh, how good is the defense or how not so good is the offense. I would say this about the offense, and I'm probably jumping the gun here. Uh, It's going to have to be an offense that's going to control the ball. Can it really go 70 yards? I don't know whether this team actually, with the way it looks, can play from behind. Because that means the ball has got to be in the air more, especially in the second half. And are these quarterbacks, who we have right now, going to be capable of passing the ball? So the defense is really important.
1: You know, you you talk about the the elevation or the evolution of where this offense is right now, breaking in a new quarterback. And- Coach Heldon made it very clear that he, he is not going to determine or decide the quarterback position until the likes of a JT Daniels is on campus to give him an opportunity, a fair opportunity. But if you're coming out of spring and you're wondering who is going to be competing for that starting job with JT Daniels, then the first thing you have to look at is not necessarily who are the playmakers, But who can potentially be the steward or the facilitator, the one who makes the least amount of mistakes, that keeps the the offensive huddle calm, and can distribute the ball amongst the talented players on this offense because this offense is littered with skilled players that can take it the distance. So if that's the case, unlike when you had Darnold coming in with younger players and he he had to wheel the offense along in certain plays and actually make plays to extend drives. I don't think that this offense requires that. I think what it's looking for is someone consistent that they can trust and depend upon. And Gary, I'm curious about your initial thoughts. Of the two quarterbacks coming out of spring ball, who would you give the edge to in terms of having a firm understanding about what the coaching staff is looking for that could facilitate uh, and carry the ball? If that's the question, I'm going to say Matt Fink.
0: I, I, th- I do think he has the better understanding uh, of the offense at this point. And, and we have seen him make his share of plays. And if you're gonna look at the eyeball test, there are a lot of people who come out here and say he looks like the more comfortable guy right now. Um, but the question is, we were kind of talking into it and, and hitting on now, is the thought that we, we may not know what this offense is un- until the fall. Um, Does it get adjusted slightly for the quarterback? But I even think in this spring, we got a little bit of mixed messages, and I kind of want to talk about that. Um, We heard Clay Helton saying, our our offense isn't going to change. It's the offense that we've had. It's the offense that started under Kiffin, continued through Sarkeesian, and it's the offense that's been built to this point. Um, And then after the scrimmage last Saturday, Clay Helton made the statement, that's the blueprint for our offense, running between the tackles and then hitting the ball deep when they hit a couple deep passes to Vellus Jones. Uh, and so that, that's not necessarily always been the identity of this offense for the last six or seven years. And so to me, I would love to see it if it's developing in the direction of between the tackle running game, hitting the deep passes when needed. That, that, that to me, fits the traditional USC style more. And then a quarterback can take off on a design run when needed. Um, that would seem to fit with the addition of Tim Drevno and what he wants to do. And that's what we've been long told that T. Martin wants to do. And so are we starting to see te- steps in that direction, Greg? I would hope so. I don't know that I necessarily know what the answer is going to be. And will that change depending on who the quarterback is in the fall?
2: Well, um, so your uh, thoughts on that? Yes, thank you. Um, you know, I think you could probably ask many Trojan fans, what's the identity of this offense? Mm-hmm. And after four or five years, they still don't know. But let's just say that we have an overall idea of what the offense is. It's what you call and what you emphasize. If you're going to emphasize pounding the ball, mm-hmm. then you have to pound the ball. From the first quarter all the way through, running is the first priority, passing is the second priority. If you look at the great teams, uh, they take a lot of pressure off the quarterback by doing it that way. But you can't talk about it. You can't. You have to be unified in it. Yeah. And it's in terms of the quarterbacking, Look, I think we'd all be a bit naive not to think that they're going to give JT Daniels every opportunity to quarterback because he can throw the ball downfield. He is everything you want. There's very few players that I've come across in the decades that I've followed recruiting that I could say, I really think he's the real deal. And I think he's the real deal. But that being said, you know, there's a kind of a joking thing about, okay, what game is JT Daniels going to start? And that, I don't know if that's fair to anybody on the, on that level, but it is there. So, you know, you want to beat UNLV, okay? So if I was starting today, Fink would start, okay? The question is, is can JT Daniels jump over one of those quarterbacks to position himself as the second-line quarterback by, let's say, this the second or third game? O- only the players can decide that.
1: Yeah, you know, Greg, if I'm a senior returning on this team, and I'm looking at coming out of spring ball with uncertainty as to how well is my team going to fare going into uh, going into fall camp. I'm a little concerned about the amount of emphasis being placed on an incoming freshman that has no body of work at the collegiate level. That tells me you're relying heavily upon talent coming in to. Shore up some areas of concern versus relying upon a system and plugging in a player to run your system. And emphasize so with with the the talking discussion about this offense consistent or being as consistent as it was going back from the Kiffin uh, Sark days and then um, evolving under Hilton Well, my concern is this. Up until now, that tells me we still don't know if Clay has ever had an opportunity to really implement his true core philosophy because over the last two years, this program has been, in essence, overshadowed by the great talent of Sam Darnold. And so you're really customizing an offense around his skill set. This is the first year you can plug in a quarterback that is ultimately under your recruiting and you're saying that this next quarterback is going to extend your vision, your system, your philosophy. A lot to be said and a lot to be learned going into this season. But if I'm a senior, I don't wanna put I don't wanna put my my season in in the hands of an incoming freshman until I know for certain that the sum of all parts around him are stable enough to give him an opportunity to be successful.
2: You know, I I totally hear what you're saying. Now, I'm going to take a contrarian point of view. I think because this guy is so well-known and the players have watched him play, if I'm a senior, I would say he better be as good as I think he is. But the players already know how good Fink is. They may not tell us or Sears, but they have a pretty good idea, and so does the coaching staff. What the players care about is can you win a Pac-12 South title? Because whatever happens at the start of the season – is going to be more important what happens at the end of the season. And if, they're, if, if, if Daniels is quarterbacking and they're moving the ball downfield, the question I have is I know you would bring a JT Daniels slowly if I'm a senior, but I think that, that JT Daniels will provide them possibly, he's got to prove it, with the best chance of winning. And that's the most important thing. And I think all players want to win. Should they be skeptical? Absolutely. Don't blow my senior season with some rookie at quarterback. It's my opinion, though, by about the third game with practices in, in August, that they'll have a pretty good idea of what's what. And just uh, let me just conclude with this. One of the biggest arguments uh, you could take aside either way was, should Max Brown have started or should Sam Darnold start? It's always hindsight's 20-20. Oh, they should have started Darnold at the start of the season. You know, they might have what? Beaten Alabama? I don't think so. Okay. But it's an argument. So the question is, is once Daniels is in some of those scrimmages, is politics going to be played out? I mean, they. I think you both agree. They always say here, the best player plays. And the players know if the best player is playing or whether it's a political comment.
0: I, I cannot remember a time in spring um, where, again, We don't know what's going to happen with Matt Fink and Jack Sears between now and August. But what's really clear is they have left the door wide open. Um, These guys both have the potential to be very good quarterbacks, but if if you're saying, did one of them take a step up in spring, I don't think you can say that. And if I'm one of them, that's a very scary situation. When you've got Art one of the – In the 20 years that the websites have been around, are there five quarterbacks who have been more hyped than J.T. Daniels? No, I mean he's, and it's real. Like you said, Greg, it's a national championship under his credit. It was starting as a freshman. It's 40, 40 Trinity League games under its belt. This is legit. And so, leaving that door wide open, boy, that that that's going to be interesting. Yes, things can change overnight. That light bulb can go on for Mm -hmm. one of these guys, but it hasn't yet. Yeah. And so, like you say, everyone's sitting there going, that this is going to carry over into fall. So that is what I'm going to be watching. I think it's going to be fascinating, like like you alluded to, Daryl. I do happen to agree with that. If I'm these other players, players know. But I don't know that they're necessarily looking at JT and saying that would be backwards. I don't know if you saw Jordan Palmer yesterday on the NFL Network saying, you know, he's been training JT since seventh grade. And he also trained Sam. And he said, if JT wins the job. There will not be a draw, huge drop off at quarterback at USC this
1: year. Then that's a reigning endorsement that I'll take because Isn't that huge? I, I I know the quarter the quality of quarterbacks that have come out of that modern day program uh-huh. j- you, just in, you know them well in, as anybody. in the more <laughs> recent eras. You know you talk about the likes of a of a Matt Leinart and Matt Barkley and they the one thing you can say about um, Bruce Rollinson's ability to develop quarterbacks and get them prepared for the next level. But I I don't think I've I I have another type of quarterback to compare JT Daniels to that that has the body of work. The one that always seems to come to mind for me is John David Booty perhaps graduating a year early Uh coming into the program but not as assertive as daniels is i mean th- this kid just his mere presence alone seems to make other quarterbacks wilt in his presence and i've never seen that before
0: i, I it was really i thought it was really interesting last week after the scrimmage well while, while the media was gathered around and the fans were milling in about while we were waiting for helton to come over some kids came inside and they came inside the ropes and their first question was hey where's jt daniels wow yeah, that's when, when the little yeah. kids are coming in and that's who they're asking for, he's mm-hmm. not even here yet. Uh, that speaks volumes. Okay, let, let's let's wrap up talking about the offense with with one question here for everybody. Um, what's the identity of the USC offense this fall?
2: Which way yes. does it lean? It depends who's quarterbacking him. I agree. I, with that. I think I think if it's either Sears or Fink, it's going to be ball control all the way down. The real question is is if JT Daniels does become the quarterback. How much are they going to still uh, subscribe to a power running game, which will help JT Daniels and the mentality of the offensive line if it's going to be JT's going to throw the ball? Now, the thing that I know is having watched modern day a number of times, they were basically a balanced offense. They could win if JT wasn't on top of his game. And my fear is, well, I go back to the McKay era. They had good quarterbacks. They weren't always great. But you knew the tailback and the offensive line was going to control the game, which took a tremendous burden off of the offensive line and the offense. If JT does start, is there going to be a big change in the philosophy?
1: Daryl? The identity of USC's offense is going to be largely predicated on the strength of its defense. Because if this team feels as though the strength of its team is – a sound defense that plays with tenacity, that has the ability to get the ball back, then the offense can afford to take chances. If it does not, if it feels like it's going into the season with more questions and answers on both sides of the ball, it's going to rely heavily upon the running game and we're going to see more tight end play and more of a conservative action, a facilitator role of the quarterback. In either case, I think we're not going to understand truly the identity of this this um. USC offense until we get past the first three games because game two and three at Stanford and at Texas is going to be a juggernaut. It's going to be one of those type of situations where those two defenses present such a huge challenge that we may not know how good this offense is going to be until it survives the battle wounds from those two games.
0: And and isn't what you just said, Daryl? isn't that kind of putting an asterisk on the offense for this spring? Yeah. Um no Stephen Carr, no Daniel Limitor no Toa Lobendon. <laughs> The, the, those are significant losses,
1: absences, I
0: yeah. should say, uh, especially when you don't have things settled. At, at Gary, that's like a lot
1: that. of digital currency not on the field. When, when, you, when you talk about the production from those players yes. and, and what they mean in infusing confidence in this offense. And, and, and you add to that, I
0: don't know that we found a third receiver for sure. Right. We, we, we know what Vons and Pittman can do, but we, we, we don't for sure know. Velas Jones, you, you never know in there. Okay, let, let me ask you, uh, well, we'll go on offense before we finally shift it back over to defense. Uh Give me a surprise, a, something that you noticed in spring on offense. A player that you liked, uh, someone to say, "I got my eye on this guy based on what I saw in spring." Anybody jump out to you? Anybody saying, "Okay, keep an eye on
1: me." You, you talked about. I mean, this is this is obvious, but you talked about Veles. For me, I did. I always thought he was a one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. The way that he was used in the offense, I thought he was just good for nine routes, streaks up the seam. Okay, but he showed me a style of versatility that gives me the, the the thought or impression that this offense can be multifaceted using his skill set and athleticism. <laughs> but what I what I do realize is his play and versatility as that third receiver opens up a door for this kid, um, Amon Rahman St. Saint, Saint Brown yeah. coming out of modern day, intertwining those two, getting a lot of production out of them is going to be something that this offense is going to give defenses nightmares.
2: Okay, I'm going to say, based on the overall 15 days, I'm going to go with Josh Follow. I think this guy is a wild card tight end, and he showed it today. He made some catches. He dropped one, but you know what? Everybody drops one once in a while. But I think his versatility, if he can get better at blocking, I think he's a real – I mean – We all would like to see Daniel Motabebe in there. Uh He's a proven talent. But this kid could be something special.
0: Uh, I would agree with you. I'm going to go the two tailbacks because there was a lot of talk. You know, Stephen Carr, you know, how much of an impact of missing Stephen Carr? Boy, I, I thought both Aka Cedric, and we talked about him already, and Vivai Malapi when he was in there, I thought today was a, just a great example if you saw what he did today. Vivai Malapi runs hard. So the, to me, it's it's not that you needed that security blanket, what happens with Stephen Carr when you're talking about back injury. But I come out of spring feeling very good, not that I didn't about Ware and Malapi, but now after seeing what they do, I, I, I feel very good. Even if those are our two tailbacks, I am going to be okay with that. Let's, uh, let, let's flip over to offense, and we talked so much, and Greg, I – I thought your uh, your your point about the secondary was so well taken. Um, that was a strength of the group, and and we've talked about Biggie Martian. We've talked about what these guys have done down there. I, I, I want to look down at that front group uh, more more than anything else because you. I, I think we saw a lot of guys. The move of Jordan Iosefa successful. Uh, the move of Connor Murphy. Helton sure talked a lot about it being successful. I don't know that I saw that as much with Connor, but but but. In the meetings, Helton certainly feels good about it. I look down at that nose tackle spot, and I see Brandon Peely. I see J two Tufele, and I know Marlon tui Peloto's coming in the fall. And then I know we're going to have a boatload of linebackers to add to this group. One guy, I want to say one, one guy throughout right now, I keep on waiting for Levi Jones mm. to really just get that step up in the rotation. Good and point. we're not seeing that yet. But a lot to like down there, Greg.
2: Yeah, i tell you, when you when you asked me about offense, who, who caught my eye? Two players caught my eye. Obviously, we know who the stars are, Porter Gustin, Cam Smith. Uh-huh. But the two that caught my eye were those freshmen, uh, Talanoa Hufanga, number one, and uh, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, Kanai Maga. Those guys are studs. Yeah. Those guys are studs. When you, In the case of Hufanga, when you start getting compared at this stage of the game with Troy Polamalu, you're a stud. You and, are. And, and Maga, he plays uh, – and, and I, this is a compliment – he plays like a stud Polynesian player. I see I see him like uh, uh, some of the players that we had in the past that were maybe a little bit smaller. I'm try- I, I'm losing my brain here on the linebacker we had out of Hawaii. Uh, not Lofa Tatupu. Kaluka Maiava, yeah. Yeah, yeah I see kind of like a bigger version of Kaluka Maiava and my thing is this guy is going to be dynamite. And when I've heard him speak, I go this guy is humble. He's a warrior, and so mm-hmm. those two, to me, were were like fired me up for the for the future. Now, if the other ones are just as good, and we know that the big star coming out of Las Vegas is going to be good, and we know some of the others, but these guys kind of proved it
1: right now. We you can see it. Yeah, for for, for me, Gary, it, it's <laughs> I forgot how good of ball skills Jonathan Lockett had. Wow, good and call. what. <laughs> It's just so refreshing to, to see him back on the field and what versatility he can give this secondary. But also, I'm going to throw a name out for you, Raymond Scott. This kid, this freshman, you know, he really surprised me. He's one of those. He kind of reminds me of the Ray Maluga, Brian Cushing and, um, and Clay Matthews. That group, I mean, just if you're looking for that, that next level player who can come in and, and, and spare a starter some time and not give way, he gives me that impression that he's one of those you know those back alley type of players that I don't care where we're at. He's going to bring the wood. And for me, it really impressed me so far with the, the reps that I've seen him in, mm-hmm. how productive and how physical he plays. I, I like that one a lot. I I actually compare him to a Hayes-Pullard. Okay. Uh, okay.
0: He's about the same size Hayes was coming out of high school, neither one of them incredibly physically imposing. Yeah. Good size kid, nothing small about him. Um city school You know, several-year starter, and I think just one of those guys who he's going to be where he's supposed to be. He's going to make the
1: tackle. Yep.
0: but but, but, you're smiling.
1: (laughs) And I I am because the years that USC has had the most success, they've had depth at the linebacker position. And when backups came in, you got leadership coming out of the backups. Mm -hmm. So you didn't lose much. You got a lot of production. And and that's what I'm starting to gather, that this team is starting to accumulate that type of depth. Right. I agree with that. Uh, The the name I'm going to throw out there is C.J. Pollard. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't want to
0: say could have gotten lost in the shuffle at safety, mm-hmm. but you hear what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, no doubt there are some good safeties out there, and CJ uh, at, at this stage of his career, I thought he he said I'm not you know I'm not getting lost in this, yeah. and he, boy, you, you, you made the point the one day his communication out there. Yeah. Uh, the, son, the, the
1: son of a guy who played here, Marvin Pollard, a coach, and in, in, instinctive, and yeah. you know, and the, the time that he's out there, very, very productive. Mm-hmm. You know, and you you talk about a, a a guy who is versatile, can play corner against you know six four to six seven tight ends or receivers, um, but also come into the box and be and cause havoc if you ask him to blitz off the edge. His timing right. seems to be very, very good in terms of his just ability to adjust to the flow and rhythm of a game. Surprised that he's been as patient as he has been in the system, and you're you're right. A lot of guys get lost in the shuffle, but I think he is going to make a mark, and he's going to make it very difficult to remain off the field if given a chance to compete for starting time.
0: Well, those are our thoughts
1: here after the
0: final USC spring ball practice of 2018. And uh, any final thoughts, Greg, as we wrap up, and we'll see you next August.
2: Yes, I. this is always the worst part of, of the season for me personally. That drought between, I start getting carnivorous for, for the magazines coming out. And, you know, just to see what somebody writes and what I really think I saw. But I think really, I don't want to belabor the point. Spring practice had some good points to it. It was okay. But this thing with JT Daniels, I don't, it is just, it's going to really electrify uh, fall practice because he's been so hyped. But also the other players like Amon Ross, St. Brown, are so explosive on the offense. Defense, we're going to see some players that weren't here. Mm-hmm. So there's that excitement level of how are these guys going to fit in. So I just can't wait until August 3rd in training camp.
1: Daryl, any final thoughts? Overall, I'm leaving a spring camp inspired by what i'm seeing in a lot of areas and i feel like the lack of progress of the offense is manufactured by the coaching staff so for that i do have optimism going into the season that this coaching staff and the talent coming in is there is a recipe for success so i'm leaving with a lot more optimism than skepticism
0: And I would agree with that. And, Greg, I don't think there was anything wrong about what you're saying with JT Daniels because I think that is so true. Not only his play getting in there, but as we talked about earlier, I I think if he is uh, earning the job, the resulting impact that that has on the offense – I I would personally, and I I know we've talked about this so much, I would personally love to see us get back to that offense where we are running the ball between the tackles and and, and chasing it deep uh, when the defense comes up. I would love to see that because I think that's an identity that fits the USC
1: Trojan football team. But but if I'm going to say one thing, going into fall camp and into the season, and although he's not on campus yet, Uh I think St. Brown has the potential of being an offensive freshman player of the year. By virtue of if Daniels has the ability to start, their chemistry together, that uniqueness and the spark that he can bring on the field hasn't been felt since the like of a Reggie Bush and the type of impact that perhaps a Dory, Dan- uh, a Dory Jackson brought us when when he you know stepped on the field as a freshman. It's it's funny there was a.
0: A, uh, I think it's a flag football league or a seven-on-seven league with former players that's being started. And guys like Steve Smith were out there for, for SC. Uh, R.J. Soured. Wow. And, and, so that's, and, and I thought about that with this, you know, just that big playability. And, Daryl, you bring up such a good point with Amon Ross St. Brown. How he, boy, if you didn't have J.T. Daniels, Coming yeah. in with the hype that he's coming in, we our, our attention and hype meter would probably be shifting, shifting to Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Because there's a reason he was the number one ranked wide receiver in the country. He is that good. But the secondary point about his chemistry with JT, an added bonus, right? If, if JT is indeed uh, yeah. or, or earning the starting job, so to me that that that's what I'm looking forward to is the resulting impact on offense. Will we see that kind of light bulb going off for the entire offense, and do we kind of see that shift? Boy, we, we would love to see it, and with the comforting knowledge of how solid things look on defense. Mm-hmm. So, guys, enjoy the off season as long as it may be. Looking for your magazines, Greg, but we'll be out there for summer workouts uh, in June and then fall camp in early August. So, for Daryl Verdot and Greg Katz, this is Gary Pasquitz. You're listening to the We RSE Podcast.